0: Hello, and welcome to the More Great Seats for Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lazinski, Director of Charter School Information at the State University of New York's Charter Schools Institute. In our first episode, we learned what it takes to start a SUNY charter school, the nuts and bolts of the application and RFP processes. Today, we'll start a new journey this one exploring what it takes for a school to become an academic success. But first, some housekeeping. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and leave us a review. This will help others in the educational space find us. If you're on social, you can also connect with us on our LinkedIn page. Just search SUNY Charter Schools Institute and join our growing community of educational influencers. And as of this past December, the Institute is also on Twitter. Find us, follow us, share our content, and of course, engage with us there at SUNY Charters. That's S-U-N-Y Charters. Finally, don't miss our monthly newsletter. You can sign up by visiting our website, newyorkcharters.org. We relaunched this past November, and the feedback so far has been quite positive. Each edition includes an exclusive piece from our Executive Director, Susie miller a spotlight on a high-performing school, and a dive into an important resource, template, or tool that can help board members or school leaders. Now let's get to the show. Charter schools in New York trade greater operational autonomy for greater accountability for academic outcomes. We call this the autonomy for accountability bargain. But what does this look like in practice? Jeff Waspis, Executive Deputy Director of Accountability at the SUNY Charter Schools Institute, joins us today to discuss the renewal process, the benchmarks, collecting evidence, what it means for a school to be an academic success, and much, much more. It was a really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it and learn from it as much as I did. So this is a, a big, wide, far-reaching topic today: renewal and accountability. Uh, it really gets to the heart of what we do as an authorizer. So I'm uh, happy that you're uh, here to serve as our guide today. Yeah, well, I uh, I hope I can say something useful. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Uh, first up, I just want to make sure though that listeners have the necessary context for our conversation. So. Can we just start off with you describing
1: your role at the Institute? Sure. So uh, my role at the Institute, I'm the Executive Deputy Director for Accountability, and that means that I oversee uh, all of the academic functions here at the Institute. So. Uh, monitoring and evaluation visits that we do to schools, uh, during their charter terms to, uh, uh when we come in and look at the program on the grounds with, uh, with, a, with an evaluation team. Um, and I also oversee, uh, the renewal processes and coordinate, uh, that whole process, all of that data collection that, that leads up to the Institute's reporting and making recommendations on school renewal. So all of that is to say that I, I coordinate the school program and accountability teams around those those important functions, the monitoring and evaluation function and all of the renewal functions um, at the Institute, and uh, try to do that in a way that meets the needs of uh, both the Charter Schools Act and that meets the needs of our trustees by way of the standards for renewal that the trustees uh, set forth in the in the benchmarks for renewal and in the trustees' policies. You're not doing that by yourself, though. You have a team of people? I have a fantastic team of people. I have a great team that I work with to oversee uh, both the qualitative work, the work on the ground uh, in visiting schools and collecting information about um, how well schools are implementing and executing the programs uh, every day um, in schools throughout the state, and, and a team of folks who work on the quantitative analyses of uh, of different measures of student achievement and different measures of school achievement um, on the quantitative side, on the accountability side of that coin. So it's sort of, of two, two functions within that uh, renewal and monitoring and evaluation process that happens here at the Institute.
0: Good. So let's start to explore the, the trustees' policies, the renewal benchmarks, how they intersect, and uh, how they mandate your work
1: yeah that's that's the question that's at the core of the work that i do here and the the work that the whole team does here at the institute and you know that when i say that it's at the core that what i mean is that that really embodies the the uh, autonomy for accountability bargain here um so it's it's those documents that set forth uh, you know, that set forth the deal where, where schools can have certain regulatory freedoms and freedoms from, from uh, certain rules that, that traditional district schools need to follow in exchange for having a high bar for, uh, for performance and for accountability. That bar for performance and accountability is really set forth in the trustees' benchmarks. Those, those benchmarks, that document describes the expectations for renewal. Uh, it's inclusive of standards for accountability. Um, it's inclusive of standards for the program on the ground, um, for a school's organizational viability, and for a school's fiscal health. And so those, those benchmarks really set forth not just the criteria, but the, also the questions that schools need to be able to answer in the, in the renewal process, which is to say, is the school an academic success? Is the organization uh, viable? Is the organization fiscally sound? And finally, are the school's plans for the future reasonable, feasible, and achievable? So we have those four quick uh those four key questions. Um and those
0: as well as the trustees' policies are available on our website, charters.org. If you haven't been there, I want to encourage you to visit. Um but let's just focus for the sake of this podcast, considering your role, on that first question. Uh, is the school an academic success? What do we mean by that?
1: How do we answer that? So the Charter Schools Act sets forth uh language that says that charter schools need to meet or exceed student performance standards. That are the same as as the regents, or that are contained in the charter, and so the way the institute defines from you know working from that as its framework, the way the institute defines an academic success are to set very specific goals around uh, around student achievement. Those goals are embodied in the school's charter, uh, and that part of the charter is called the accountability plan. Um, the accountability plan sets forth, sets forth those student achievement goals in academic subjects, and uh, schools can also opt to include additional goals or additional measures um, in that accountability plan that describe more of a mission-aligned set of goals and set of measures that would, that would also serve to describe Describe success at the school. So, in addition to accountability plans, the academic team at the institute looks at programs on the grounds. We look at the the functions, the systems that are happening uh, within a school um, on a day to day basis, and uh, we do these we do that every so often, either through an account uh, an accountability monitoring visit uh, uh, or an evaluation visit. We also call those, and we do that at at when its charter is going to expire at, at the at time for renewal. So, in terms of those, uh,
0: those goals, then we're looking in terms of just the goals such as absolute proficiency in terms of ELA and math, but we're also going beyond that too, not just the absolute numbers. We're also going in terms of our metrics and looking at how schools perform comparatively to other schools.
1: Yeah, so we, uh, that those goals in the accountability plan, we analyze those goals a lot of different ways. So, every, uh, school that's authorized by SUNY has a set of academic, uh, academic goals for, as you mentioned, ELA, mathematics, science, and there's also a goal for there's also a goal for the for the state's Every Student Succeeds Act or ESSA plan. Schools that serve high school grades also have goals for high school graduation and have some sort of goal for what students are going to do beyond their high school experience, whether it's college or career or college and career. The way that the Institute works to determine goal attainment or success on each of those goals is that we, we cut the data apart and look at it a lot of different ways. So, uh, Mike, as you already alluded to, we look at, at success in absolute terms. We look at, for instance, the extent to which students who are tested at the school perform at or above proficiency on state exams. We look at the extent to which high school students are taking and passing regents exams and how the percentage of students who are graduating from high school within four years. So those are, those are examples of some of, the, some of the absolute measures that we use. We also compare some of those performance metrics to things like the local school district, or in the case of elementary and middle schools, um, we use a, a more complicated statistical analysis called an effect size to compare the performance of schools um, to other schools throughout the state that are demographically similar. The third and important way that we cut those data is that we look at uh, the growth and achievement that schools are able to post from year to year. So it's, it's important that all students are able to succeed and achieve, but it's also important that for those schools who are further away from attaining that absolute goal, uh, that they're making progress towards meeting, meeting those goals each year. And So, so we look at uh, the extent to which schools are able to grow the performance of students year over year. Um, but yeah, those are those are three important ways that, that we try to cut the data under under each goal area is to look at absolute measures, comparative measures, and measures of school growth.
0: And I think it's obviously really important considering you know the demographic that the charter schools are serving for the most part, that can now be disadvantaged. A lot of times, to be able to kind of see the growth that they're actually you know, the students are showing in those schools.
1: Yeah, I, looking at those those quantitative data, those different ways really helps us to. Uh, to put those data into context and gives us a better hold on being able to, um, to tell the story of a school over time.
0: And the fact that we're not just looking at the numbers themselves, but also those qualitative
1: metrics, like you said, to actually go and see how that on-the-ground uh, program looks. It's a really important part of our work to take those, uh, those quantitative data and those measures of achievement and corroborate that information with what we see on the ground as successful uh, parts, of the, parts of the program really derive those parts of the program where that achievement is coming from. And look, the the other important part of the work that we do, both by way of analyzing those quantitative data and looking at the programs on the ground, is that we really try and act as a critical friend uh, to to the schools that we authorize, to say that um, we appreciate the opportunity to provide the feedback uh, to school leaders and to boards boards that that oversee the schools that we authorize, to say... You know, this is the expectation of the school's performance in terms of uh, in terms of what the trustees have set forth. Here's where we see the program in terms of meeting those expectations, and here are some areas where we see uh, where we see that the, the school can improve in order to continue to make progress towards meeting those towards meeting those expectations. and And, and we hope that our feedback is is useful to schools in that in that continuous improvement process.
0: And how we go about actually analyzing those on-the-ground programs. So we, the focus of the next couple podcasts that we roll out here over the next couple of months, we're going to be doing uh, school evaluation visits, you know, looking into that, as well as diving deeper into, the, into those academic benchmarks too. So that's good. Now let's just keep talking renewal though. How do we go about and evaluate and weighing the, the different qualitative and quantitative metrics? I have to imagine some
1: of these can be circumstance-based. You know the trustees look at renewal outcomes a couple of different ways, and you know starting a, when a school is brand new, um, and when a school is still in its startup phase, you know to start to start a school from the ground up is is a really tough job, and you know everybody at the institute uh, really honors the work that that folks do when they decide to take on that that really monumental task. You know from the board members who uh, who volunteer their time to govern and oversee. That whole process to you know to school leaders, other uh, staff members, teachers, you know, and and everybody who's involved at the school um, in getting it up off the ground, and and the SUNY trustees recognize what a difficult task that is, and so when a school comes to renewal for the first time um, after just a short five year period of of having a chance to get to get its legs under itself, you know the, the trustees. Recognize that 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 initial period uh, that there are challenges to overcome, and and that things don't always go according to plan. And so, to the extent that the trustees emphasize one set of measures, or you know, student achievement measures, uh, you know, test scores, and other measures of, of student academic achievement over the program on the ground, uh, uh, in in some cases, wouldn't really be wouldn't really be a a fair measure of how far along the school may have come in over, overcoming those initial startup challenges. So the first time a school comes to renewal, the trustees look at measures of student achievement and the qualitative information about the program on the grounds with, with somewhat, somewhat equal measure. Uh, and, and they consider the, the qualitative data about the program on the grounds with a little more emphasis than they would in the 10th year or the 15th year or even the 20th year. So the first time a school comes to renewal, the, the, the trustees will look at the extent to which schools have been able to um, implement that program as they designed it and as they proposed it in their, uh, in their initial application for the charter school and, uh, and, and weigh that uh, or emphasize that information in their, in their decision making differently than they would early on. And so what that means is they offer, uh, uh, the trustees will, in, in their policies, have established a few different uh, possible out- renewal outcomes uh, for that initial term. So the trustees have the option to renew a school for a full term of five years. Uh, they also have an option to renew a school for a short term of usually three years, or at the end of that initial charter term, the trustees also have the option to not renew a school. After that initial charter term, the trustees uh, have, have put in the policies that, uh, that schools eligible for, for subsequent renewals really have two options. The trustees can, can choose not to renew the school, or they can renew the school for, uh, for a full term of five years. And the reason that those, those renewal outcomes change in subsequent terms is because by that time after the school has been operating for 10 or 15 years, it should be past those startup challenges. Um, and it should be operating with, with fully fleshed out systems in place that really provide, that provide school leaders and teachers an opportunity to provide a great education to kids. Um, that's going to show up in all of those measures of student achievement that we talked about earlier. And so uh, the trustees really look to those measures of student achievement as the first, as the primary information source uh, for making those, those renewal decisions. Of course, um, even in those subsequent years, you know, the Institute is still going to be on the ground uh in schools and corroborating the information that we see in those uh in those measures of student achievement with the information that we see about how things are working on the ground, again to be able to tell the tell the fulsome picture of the sure. of the development of the school.
0: Now there has been several instances in the past where a board hasn't been able to provide the necessary evidence for the institute to make that renewal ra- recommendation and they've actually
1: handed in their their charter. Or chose not to pursue renewal, I should say. Like I said, we, we really recognize the hard work that goes into establishing and starting up and, and operating a school and, uh, and and we you know we honor that that work by being that critical friend and by being uh, honest and forthright about our analysis of a school program. And when when we work with school on a school on renewal, we see it as our job to uh, take the evidence that the school has presented to us and present that to the trustees, in a way that supports a renewal recommendation. And when we don't have that evidence, we've had several cases in the past where uh, the school board has made a very difficult, to deci- very difficult decision either not to pursue renewal, uh, effectively to turn in the charter uh, at the expiration of the charter term.
0: And that's one of the most difficult decisions you can make. Uh, However, so, they're obviously putting the needs of the students ahead.
1: Of that so so tends to be commended. Such a difficult decision, and absolutely is is to be commended, and 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 really speaks to the dedication you know that that those adults have uh, have for the kids at the school and and for the kids in the district to say you know uh, we had you know to to recognize that that you know it's such a hopeful thing to start up a school and to recognize that. That the school isn't living up to the promises that it made in terms of, of serving kids is, uh, is, is a really difficult thing to do, but, but one that, that we find is really honorable and necessary uh, when it does happen. So to finish up, uh, one of the main reasons
0: why we started this podcast uh, was we wanted to turn it into a resource uh, and a guide for our current and uh, prospective charter school leaders. So what advice, best practice, do you want to share with listeners today when it comes to renewal and accountability? Uh, you know, what, what do you want their takeaway to be from this podcast to help them as they, as they gear up for the renewal year?
1: So the thing that the piece of advice that I would give is that, uh, you know, early on uh, schools need to start thinking that new schools need to start thinking about uh, making the case for renewal. Established schools need to think about, you know, what's that evidence that we need to collect that tells the entire story of uh, of all of the strengths of our program and uh, whether it's a new school or it's, it's a it's a school that's been around for a while and has been established for, for a few years, you really need to schools really need to uh, think about how they're collecting, sorting, organizing, and then telling the story using that data to demonstrate all the great successes of the school, be they academic successes. Uh, be they you know, student character development, social-emotional learning successes, you know, successes that, that tie into the mission of the school and the reason that, that the school was founded in the first place. But really to, to think systematically about how to collect that data um, and then turn that data informa- into information and turn that information into the story that, uh, that, that supports all the great work that, that schools are doing. For kids across the state, and you know, so that so that we can use that to uh, to make a good, strong case for a positive renewal recommendation to the SUNY. Yeah, that's a great Charter point. I mean,
0: anecdotes are very powerful. We use them every single day. But then, at the end of the day, like you need to be able to kind of showcase, you know, the, those measurables, the data that you know what you're doing is benefiting all students. So, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thanks, Mike. It was a lot of fun. Well, that's all for today's episode. I hope you found it informative. Music was by Lee Rosvier. If you like the show, again, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And share this episode with your friends, anyone interested in these types of educational issues. And if you're on Twitter, give us a follow at SUNY Charters. And tweet us your feedback using the hashtag MoreGreatSeatsForKids. Thanks again.